I hope what you just sang came from your heart. Because there were some fantastic opportunities to praise Him and to glorify His name. We who are sinful have been brought into the very presence of the Holy of Holies. And He loves us just like we are, but too much to leave us that way. Last week we started a sermon series on evangelism. Thank you for showing back up. I appreciate it. Scary topic, isn't it? But if you'll recall, we, we, we started with the foundational piece of why we do evangelism, which flows right out of our previous series on holiness. Because remember, God has called us to be holy. We are to be holy in all of our conduct, which means being holy people, we are to be different. We are to be the people who reflect the character of God. And when we looked at Matthew chapter 9 last week, we talked about how Jesus, we went through all the villages and all the synagogues, and he was teaching and he was healing And he was sharing the gospel. And when he saw the people, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said, they're ready to hear. They need to hear because they're in difficult shape. And I have compassion on them. And I thought about it last Sunday afternoon when we were gathering for for prayer time. God just spoke to him and he said, you will never have compassion T-Mac until you have a passion for me when you have a passion for me you will have compassion because that's how I feel about people and so we looked at that and that's the foundation why we share the good news story and today we're going to look into another aspect of evangelism and having seen the foundation we're going to look at some of the instructions of what it means to be involved in this ministry of evangelism. And I really believe with all of my heart that last words are important. I've been with too many people who have been with loved ones who have died and they keep recounting to me stories. I remember the last words they said. What a profound effect that had on my life. The legacy that they left me with. And I want us to look at the last words of Jesus because they're not only worth listening to, they're not only worth remembering, they are worth heeding and being obedient to it. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Hey, surprise, we've been there before. Some 12 times or more since I've been your interim pastor. Uh, Good news, the pastor search team is working hard, They're, they're, they're interviewing folks and soon you'll be done with me and you'll have a good full-time pastor here, but you're probably still going to hear Matthew chapter 28 from me about 12 more times before they get there. Even if they do it in a hurry, I'm going to keep saying it because here's where he gives the assignment. He says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and following, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always unto the end of the age. That is our assignment. Those were words that were said after the resurrection as he was nearing his time of ascension to go back to be with the Father. Turn over to Acts chapter 1, 
And we see the very last words he said before he was ascended. So within a few hours after that encounter, he said these last words, which were instructions. He gave us the assignment in Matthew chapter 28. He gives us the instructions of who we are to be in Acts chapter 1. Let me just start at verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, now this is Luke writing. He says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to those after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, for the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And in this passage of Scripture, he tells us what are the imperatives of evangelism. And by imperatives, that means these are not optionals. This is who I've called you to be. I gave you the assignment, and now I'm telling you what I want you to be. And if you will be this, the gospel will get out. He said it. And so I want us to look. There are three imperatives in that one verse as you go to verse uh, 8. Where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. The first imperative that he gives is you will receive the power of God through the Holy Spirit. I think that's why we are inept in our evangelism in this day and age, because we try to do it on our own power. I know what to do. I know how to do it. I'm going to do it, but I'm terrified, so I wind up not doing it. When you got saved, you received all of the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Possess me. And he did. Have you ever noticed brand new believers? And I shared with you my testimony last week. The first thing they do is they go out and start telling their friends. I couldn't wait to get next door to tell David about Jesus. Because I had received the power of the Holy Spirit, a nine-year-old boy did not figure that out theologically. Trust me. I just did what was in me. And the power flowed. As we move beyond that, we sometimes forget to stay confessed up to date. 
1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we are cleansed from our unrighteousness, the Holy Spirit continues to fill us. But sin will block His power. And He says the imperative evangelism is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that power is not a political power. It's not a human power. It is a God power. The, the, the Greek word is dunamon. And, and literally what it means, we get our English word from it that means dynamite. Dynamite. That's, that's where we get our English word for dynamite is from dunamon. And it is a power that is explosive. And he says, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have His power. And that's what needs to happen to us. That's the first imperative. Receive the Spirit, which happens at salvation. Stay confessed up. When you sin, confess it. And He cleanses you and the power remains in you in order to help you do what He's called you to do in the assignment. But the second imperative says this. And when, but when the, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now I just want to go briefly into what a witness is. Three truths about a witness. First of all, a witness knows the truth. You've watched it on TV. You may have been in a court of law. And they swear a witness to come up. And they get them in the witness box. And they swear them in. And they say, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. They actually still use that phrase. Praise God for that. A witness knows the truth. They bring people who have seen and experienced and know what they're talking about. Just tell us what you know. Just tell us what you saw. Just tell us what you've experienced. A witness knows the truth. But there's a second facet of being a witness. A witness stands for the truth. That same witness could have refused to go to the witness stand. Yes, I know the truth. I saw the truth. I experienced the truth. But I'm not telling anybody about it. Then you're not a witness. I'm sorry, judge. The witness would not appear. But a true witness will appear because they know the truth. Let me take you back to 2 Kings and give you just a quick story. I would love to read this, but I can't. I, advise, I invite you this afternoon. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 6 and start with verse 24 and read through chapter 7 verse 10. Keep that open because I'm going to refer to a few verses. I kind of tell you the story. The, the king of Syria has invaded Samaria and has besieged that area. And he has, in the, the process of besieging them, have confined them within their city. 
And the story is going along. Literally, they are starving to death. And it talks about how they are willing to pay a huge amount of money just to have the head of a donkey so they would have something to eat. Now, that's hungry. That's hungry. And all of a sudden, Elisha steps onto the stage and he said, hey, you're paying an exorbitant amount of money for something that's really not worth eating, but within a short period of time. Matter of fact, by tomorrow, for a little bit of money, you will be able to buy an exorbitant amount of food. And nobody believed him. They didn't believe him. But we pick up the storyline in verse 3 of chapter 7. And it says, And there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gates. They were sitting outside the city. Here, here are lepers that, okay, we've got leprosy, so they won't let us into the town because lepers don't go in where clean people are. And so we're stuck on the outside. The city is under besiegement, and they're starving to death. And look, it says there, it says, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now come and let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. And if they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Now that's a real great philosophy of life. Hey, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die because there's no food to eat. So let's go over to the Syrians. They might give us something to eat and we might live. But they're probably going to kill us because we're a part of the besiegement. They're not very smart. because God was about to move and the Lord sent a sound that the Syrian army thought they're coming to wipe us out and they immediately picked up and left, and the only thing they picked up were their feet to start running. And about this time, the lepers come into the camp. Hello, anybody home? Dude, it's empty. And they walk into a tent, and they find food and clothing and gold and silver, and they said, wow. And they scooped it up, and ran out of the camp and hid it. And they said, you know, this is a pretty good deal. Let's go back and get another load. And they went back into the camp again and started loading up another one. And look what it says in verse 9. And then they said to one another, we are not doing right. Now these are lepers where the city has them outside is worthless folks. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them. 
listen, a witness not only knows the truth, a witness will stand for the truth. And that's what those guys did. They said, we have experienced something. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We're reaping the bounty. We need to go tell them. We've got good news for them. Turn over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verse 18. What I've just shared with you is confirmed in the New Testament. In verse 18 it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. A witness knows the truth and a witness stands for the truth and shares it. But there's a third component of a witness that we need to take seriously. A witness is also willing to die for the truth. Illustration, Jesus. Best, perfect illustration, Jesus. He died for the truth. The truth is we are separated from God because of our sin. And he was the only perfect person that could pay that penalty so that we could be set free. He knew the truth. He stood for the truth. And he died for the truth to set us free. And then the Father raised him from the dead, showing not only did he overcome the sin in our life, but he has overcome death. And he offers that to us as a gift. But guess what? You're not Jesus. Neither am I. But go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Let me give you an illustration scripturally that's more believable for us. We know that's true, but it can happen to us. I don't think it will today. I don't know about tomorrow. But if you go to Acts chapter 7, verse 54, and I'm not going to read that story, but it is the story of the stoning of Stephen. And let me just kind of recount the story for you. Does anybody know what what, uh, Stephen was in the church, what his official position in the church was? Anybody know? Thank you. He was a deacon. And a deacon is to do what? Serve. His job... Hey, I am a deacon. I'm Deacon Stephen, and my job is to be in the church serving the people of the church. So what in the world is he doing out there talking to people, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's not his task. No, it's not his church task, but it is his God's given assignment that he gave to every believer. And he said, I might be a deacon, and my job may be to do this in the church, and somebody else has other jobs, but my assignment is to share the gospel. And he goes out and he talks to the very people who nailed Jesus to the cross, and he said, you guys were wrong, Jesus was right, join Jesus. And they stoned him to death. But look what it says in verse 59 of chapter 7 of Acts. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. He 
knew the truth, he stood for the truth, and he was willing to die for the truth. And his last words were, Lord, give them another chance. They're killing me, but give them another chance. Don't hold this sin against them. Father, save their soul. Now, folks, that is compassion. He had a passion for Christ. He got the assignment from Christ, and he followed the instructions of Christ. And he was doing what Jesus told every one of us to do. Let me close with an illustration. Several decades ago, there was a commercial running on TV. And it showed a Mercedes-Benz hitting a solid concrete wall. And the car was decimated. But the test dummies in the car were hardly jostled at all. And the reporter would then interviewed one of the leaders, the spokesperson for Mercedes-Benz. And that reporter asked that person, why do you not enforce your patent that you own with Mercedes-Benz for the energy-absorbing car? And the spokesperson looked at the reporter and said, some things in this life are too important not to share. What are you going to do with the gospel? You're going to receive it and hide it? Are you going to receive it and share it? Come follow me this week and you will not meet people in your normal pattern of life. Because you're going to be here and I'm going to be in Topeka. But if I come follow you to this week, I will find people I will never see because I should be in Topeka rather than Independence. Folks, if each one of us shares with the people we encounter, we will get the good news out. And if we hide it rather than share it, people will die and go to hell. A place reserved for those who don't have a relationship with the very man that said, I love you so much, I will die for you. Whether you accept it or reject it, I will die for you because I know the truth and I have stood for the truth and I will now die for the truth. question to you is what are you going to do with the gospel let's pray do you know him if not
Ask Him to come save you. If you know Him and have accepted Him, confess your sin and let the power of Jesus Christ come upon you. And as you know the truth, stand for the truth. And be willing to even die if necessary because there are people who are dying while we don't have that fear in Independence, Kansas. What are you going to do with the gospel? What are you going to do? Father, speak to us. This is too important not to share. Thank you for my mom and dad who shared with me, but thank you for Nellie Shuford who really was there to lead me to faith in you. Forgive me for the times that I too have been afraid and the door has opened and I've not shared the gospel like I should have. Praise you that you gave me another chance. And you've given me other opportunities to share the story of what you've done for me. That's what a witness is. It's not a bunch of memorized things. It's just telling your story of how Jesus changed your life. Help us, Father. Grab a hold of that. Empower us once we experience it to share it. Because it not only is our assignment, but you've given us the instructions for how to do it. May we heed your last words and obey them and put them into practice. Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. While Stephen plays, there may be a decision you need to make today. You may be in this time, just even now, I'm not really even talked about how to be saved, but the Holy Spirit has touched your hearts and said, if you were to drop dead today, you're the very guy T-Mac was talking about, that person, I would be the one that would spend eternity in hell. Been going to church all my life but I've never made the decision to accept Christ. Today's the day. You may need to get out from where you're standing right now and say, I need to get this matter settled. Enough is enough. I want to know this Jesus Christ. There may be some of you who have had that experience, but you said, I've never been obedient. I've never heeded His words to be baptized. I want to present myself as a candidate for baptism. You may be here and say, I've accepted Christ, I have followed the Lord in baptism but I never united with His church I've dated His church but I've never been committed to the church Christ is the bridegroom, the church is the bride and we are to be married together in membership with the church part of the universal church but part of a local church, maybe this is the day you say I want to be part of this local church
It may be you just want to pray a prayer rededication and come talk to somebody about it. I've not been a witness for Christ. Oh, by the way, you have been a witness. You're either for Him or against Him. You're either showing people Jesus or you're not showing people Jesus. Only two choices. Maybe today you say, I just want to rededicate my life. Yeah, I've been there sometimes, but not all the time. Thank you, T-Mac. You've been a good example of that. That's me. That's me. I've been there some of the time, but not all the time. If you think becoming a minister of the gospel makes you a flaming evangelist, you are wrong. I have flesh and blood and bone just like you. Praise God. What he does when you fall in love with him is not about you. It's about him and to him be all the glory. May you rededicate your life. If there's any kind of decision you need to make, I'm not going to ask the elders to come up. Staff, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm going to be here. You've got to face the preacher today. And when you overwhelm me, with then we'll call you guys in. You see him flooding down here. Listen, I don't know what decision you need to make. You just do what Jesus Christ tells you to do. Stephen, you pray, you play, you pray, and we'll follow God's leadership. speaking to you the decision you need to make let me let you in a little good news as we as we leave today Number one, I will never know whether you ever share Christ. Ever. I will never know. Unless I just happen to be with you and you do it while I'm standing there with you. So it has nothing to do with me and you. But just remember when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He said, and I will be with you always. Even unto the end of the age. And I say that to you not to say, ooh, God's watching me. He's been watching you since you were born. Relax. He loves you. But here's what I want you to remember. I will be with you always. He is with you everywhere you go. And he's saying, I can help you. I will empower you. I will speak through you. Guess what? It's all about him, not you. And We're not asking you to go knocking cold turkey on doors. We're just... We're saying like Jesus said, sin is how you're going anyway. Look for opportunities, and when God opens up the door, walk through it. 
But some of you may have to grab the handle because some of you are walking up to doors and say, I don't think it's open, I don't think it's open, I don't think it's open. I know it's not open because I hope it's not open and I'm not going to try it to see if it's open. Some of you just need to grab a doorknob and shake it. Ooh, it's locked. Praise God. That's not an open door. <laughs> I don't have to share. Yay. Well, what happens if it opens? He says, come on through. Because I'm in you and I will do the talking. You open your mouth and I'll talk through you. And there's no bad way to share your story. I have butchered it hundreds of times. And God still uses it. He still uses it. Praise God. We'll talk more about it. I'm going to give you some things that I think will help you in the days ahead. I want to introduce you to, to Hallie. Hallie, come stand up here with me. I want them to say, y'all sit down so you can see her. Some of you are tall, but some of you are short. I had a privilege of going to her house on, on Monday, and she shared with me her faith story in Christ, how she came to know Christ. And after coming to know Christ, she was baptized in a pond <laughs> she likes that kind of thing and i think it's cool and we just recently baptized lisa in a lake i mean it's cool she has been obedient to receive christ she's been obedient to follow him in believers baptism and she said i want to be obedient to be part of this church and she's coming on her statement which i've heard her story of, of salvation and i've heard her story of baptism and so she is wanting to move her membership on statement to be part of us. So, you excited about that? All right. Good. Hallie, God bless you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to let you go ahead and be seated right there again. And then after we're dismissed, you all come and just get excited with her about how excited she is because she's part of the family now. She, she has been part of the universal body for a long time, but now she is part of this local body, and to that we praise God. Let's stand together, and we'll pray ourselves out of here and see where God's going to take us and how he's going to use us. Father, I thank you for the worship that we've had today. I thank you for Hallie and her decision to make it public of what you spoke to her very clearly about that you wanted her to do. Father, may we be listening to what you're telling us as we go through this week, just being obedient, heeding your words, and living it out by your power, not by our power. God, bless us and use us wherever we go to be a positive witness for Jesus Christ in our life and in our words. I pray your blessing upon your people because they're your children. And all of God's people said, Amen.